Brethren and sisters, we welcome you to the podcast and hope you will find joy in listening to the infants this day. Those of you who are here to listen for your own edification, good on you. For those here listening on behalf of deceased persons, what the hell are you thinking? They're dead. They can't hear a damn thing. Or can they? Brethren and sisters, if you are true and faithful to the things you hear in today's episode, the day will come when you probably will rule over everyone, because that's just how we roll. The realization of these blessings is dependent on your ability to stomach the contents of this episode and listen to it all the way to the end and believe everything you hear and be indoctrinated by the infants, placing their scatterbrained thoughts and opinions above all else. Or else, for the infants shall not be mocked. Except when they do it to themselves or when it happens without consequence in any other way. If any of you desire to withdraw rather than press onward with this episode and accept these things of your own free will and choice, then just stop the episode. I mean, it's pretty easy. You just press, press stop. No one's holding a gun to your head. This is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy anything this world of money. the good in everything look for the people who will set your soul free it always seems impossible until it's done look for the good in everyone Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is episode 703. New year, new stories. And this is also the first episode of 2021. So happy new year, <laughs> right? Happy new year. We just had an attack on the Capitol last week uh, as there's the transition of power politically. Uh, the pandemic, the number of uh, cases is skyrocketing. And... Um, here we are, listening to a podcast from Infants on Thrones that used to be just about ex-Mormonism, and now who knows what it's about. <laughs> it's about the, the, the inner journey, the introspective journey of things that Glenn's interested in. And you too, because you're here listening to it. And so I'm going to share something with you today that, um, I don't know, I think it's a gift. I think it's my gift to you in this troubled times because this is something that's been very important to me. This was a gift that was given to me by a friend of mine named Cody. And Cody sent me 
a link to a podcast that said, listen to this, and I listened to it. And uh, now I'm going to share 25 minutes of it with you. But first, I want to share an email with you that I got from a listener last week. I'm going to call him D. And uh, D may be coming on the podcast at some point. I've been talking with listeners lately. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. So he sent me this email. He said, hey, Glenn, firstly, quickly, what's it like to know people have all kinds of relationships with the Glenn they hear through their headphones? Is that ever odd for you? You know, it's not that weird. I don't know. I mean, there's been times where it's been a little weird, but no, it's nice. You know, it's funny to me because I know that the Glenn that you hold in your mind isn't the real Glenn. That's you, you know. That's your mind that you're interacting with based on what you hear from me and then what you respond to it. But anyway, let's get back to the email from Dee. Dee said, I ask that because I've had an on-again, off-again relationship with your voice and ideas since around 2013. That's when I left the church, the Mormon church. Infants on Thrones was a great place for me because of the range of emotions and discussions. Helped me work through a lot. Thanks for that, sincerely. However, in the last two to three years, I found myself kind of shutting out directions you were going with the podcast. I recognize that with almost any media I intake, if it starts to even somewhat sound like woo, I shut it out immediately. You're not alone, D. This is, it seems, such an odd bias to have. When I left the church, one of the best feelings was that liberation to intake whatever I wanted and come to my own conclusions about anything. Have I just shifted my previous bias with my new life lens? Is this sort of bias inevitable? I'm 35. I've never had much of a creative outlet. Creativity, and specifically art, always seemed out of reach to me. A few months ago, as we were headed into the election, I really wanted something to consume my mind other than everything this year has brought. Very wise, D. I applaud that decision. I decided to jump into photography. Good job, D. Now, as I've started trying to exercise the creative parts of my mind, I find that I'm less weary of things which may have seemed like woo. I've gone back and listened to episodes of Infants on Thrones, which I had previously skipped, and found that you were coming at things much differently than I had assumed you would be. I'm an ass, he says. No, you're not an ass, D. And thank you for telling me this. I appreciate it. And then he asks, have you found creativity in one aspect of your life affects perception in general? Why do you suppose that is? And I think I'm going to have Dion to, to talk about that idea, the relationship between creativity and maybe having a more malleable mind that's maybe a little more able, willing to play with ideas that might seem like they're woo. Um, If you have a mind like that, you're going to enjoy today's episode. If not, (laughs) look out, (laughs) because what I'm going to share with you today, it's a 25-minute excerpt from a podcast called The Rich Roll Podcast. This is episode 456. It's called Zach Bush, MD, Wants You to Let Go of Your Story. And it was originally published July 25th, 2019. So it's coming to you from a pre-COVID world. But this Zach Bush, MD guy, he's amazing. And you're going to be hearing a lot from him. And I put some meditation music underneath his message. I hope that doesn't bother you. It kind of enhances it for me. I like it. Because during this crazy time, what I do a lot 
is go inside. I, I'm really curious to learn more about what's going on between my ears because that's where I live. <laughs> you know, I, I live in my mind. I'm always thinking thoughts. I'm always talking to myself. I'm always trying to make meaning and trying to make sense of things. And uh, I want to understand what's going on in my mind better. And so this Dr. Zach Bush has some really amazing things that stretched my mind. And, um, but I, I do want to warn you up front, he is going to use words like soul. He's going to use words like angels. He's going to use words like God. He kind of explains what he means by that, but it doesn't really matter. These are just words. These are sounds that we're making that have like some associated meaning from different things in the past, but whatever. <laughs> Listen to what he has to say. Listen to what he has to say about the stories that we tell and the meaning that that gives to our lives. I'm really excited to share this with you. Happy New Year 2021. You know, a lot of people are glad to see 2020 in the rearview mirror. I get it. But um, this is this is where we are. And I hope that you look for the good in everything. I hope that you find gratitude in everything. That's what I'm trying to do. I think it's helping me through this. And I hope that this can help you as well. So without any further blabbering, I give you Zach Bush from the Rich Roll Podcast. Take it away, Zach. In the end, everything is electrons, and uh, everything is electrons interacting with protons. And so this is accounts for about 0.0001% of the space that we live in. And so we are 99.9997% vacuum space. And so is everything, the planet, the microbiome, everything's vacuum space. And so we have almost nothing solid. But what is solid is these little protons that have re recently been recognized to have the same structure as the black hole that's in the middle of our galaxy. And so these black holes are these massive energetic centers of gravity that pull in everything, including light energy, and kick stuff back out. And so Stephen Hawkins uh, uh, became known for many great discoveries, but one of them was the Hawkins particles that got named after him. And he recognized that black holes out in outer space are putting out all these particles of information and this digital data that's just flowing out of black holes. And he held for a long time that that was just chaotic information. And then more recently, a lot of astrophysicists all came to the agreement that, no, that's structured information. And through other work in astrophysics, they've realized that all the black holes are connected uh, through wormholes and the like. And so black holes, holes are all connected. There's a black hole at the center of pretty much every galaxy out there. And so we have billions of galaxies um, throughout the universe. And so we have these billions of black holes that are all connected. And that's all fascinating. And, and when you start to think about what would be the structured data coming out of black holes throughout the universe, does that start to resemble what we might call the intention of God or the information of a super computer? There is a super intelligence that is a pr process through all of the black holes in the universe. And so there's a stream of information, of data, structured, coming out of all the black holes and flowing into the entire universe. And from that, we see the organization of plasma and matter and planets and solar systems and galaxies and ultimately organisms on those planets and then humans. And then we rush down into 
the cells within your hand and then you look down into your hand and you realize, okay, that's all atomic structure and you zip down deeper and it's like, yep, this is all, all uh, made out of these little tiny protons ultimately. And so then Nassim Haramein, who's an incredible physicist right now, if you haven't seen his stuff, you need to look up Nassim, N-A-S-S-I-M, Haramein, I think it's H-E-R, R, uh, I'm going to butcher that last name, E-M-E-I-N, Haramein. And Nassim's work has shown that the proton is a, a tiny, tiny black hole and functions with all of the, the physical features of a black hole. And what's rushing in and out of the black holes is electrons. And the electrons are speeding across environments and exchanging information. And um, what, how this manifests then is exchange of information at the atomic level. And at the atomic level of these atoms exchanging inside of protons, which are basically the central processing units of these of a computer. And so you got this CPU that's processing all the information coming out of the electron. The electron reacts with its environment and then comes back into the proton to tell the proton what it just experienced. Proton then just kicks out, oh, okay, it just, this is what's my environment. And so it now informs all the other electrons that come in and, okay, this is what the experience is out there. And then all the black holes are communicating. What are, All the protons in your body, which is billions and billions and billions and billions and billions. And billions are all communicating and the electrons are exchanging very quickly and so over this you know, hour and a half or whatever we've been in this room together we've all exchanged almost all of our electrons very quickly you know all of the atoms in all of our cells and all of our molecules are exchanging electrons we have this huge cloud of electrons in here that have all exchanged and now trans transected into the protons and exchanged information the speed at which this happens is proved in these experiments that, that we were talking about. And so they take groups of 30 or 40 students, college students, and give them a really difficult word, word puzzle. It's a crossword puzzle. And they time how long it takes for this group of students to solve this puzzle together. And then as soon as they, they click the timer, okay, 45 minutes or whatever it was, they then wait five minutes, and then they start a second group of students across campus on the same word puzzle. And every time they've done this, the second group finishes a few minutes faster. And so even across the distance of a campus, electrons are exchanged fast enough that there's a, a universal knowingness that's developing in the environment. And you guys have all witnessed this over time. How many of you have grandchildren? No grandparents in the room? That's me. One grand grandparent in the room? Does anybody have, you know, kids or nieces and nephews under the age of five? You know? And so a few more people in the room. What is the reaction of that child to a small rectangular box that we would call an iPhone? That kid will learn to crawl just so it can get to the iPhone. That kid will scream bloody murder on an airplane until mom finally hands over the iPhone. She doesn't want to because she doesn't want the kid to have screen time, doesn't want the kid to be holding a radiation device. But eventually mom gives in because the kid is fixated on this freaking little rectangle. This is quorum sensing at the greater level now is these children are born into an environment where information technology is in such a high level of experience in the human consciousness right now that the child knows that that's what it must want more than anything else because their parents are spending more time on that little box than anything else, and more than any relationship in their lives. They will spend more time on that box in a day than they will talk to their own spouse. They will spend more time on that box than they will interact with their boss. It must be the most important thing. Our children can sense that. 
And so they don't know why it's the most important thing. One-year-old has no idea what the frick the box is. All they know is very important. And they have a facility in that technology that after decades of using those damn things, I can't match. A three-year-old is way better on an iPhone than I am. Because there's this constant electrical exchange of information and experience. And so we should take massive pause and ask, what is the quorum sensing right now through my contribution? What is your daily experience contributing to this higher electrical state of humanity? Are you touching anybody in a day? Can we do ourselves a favor right now and can we just hold, hold hands just for the next however long? Let's just hold hands. That's just me and you, which will look awkward, but that's all good. <laughs> Isn't it interesting that we don't even do this very often, right? Like, it's like the freaking simplest thing in the world. Like, hey, I've got a hand. I've got this opposing thumb. It's kind of cool. Us and the monkeys. And we just fix shit instead of touch each other. We just fix stuff. You guys are all doing maintenance all day long and you're not touching another hand. This is the best pain control. Not only that, we go out of our way to avoid this. This is very awkward and vulnerable. Yeah. And and frightening. (laughs) Yeah. We both got the black thing too. I noticed that when we sat down, like shit, we must look kind of dorky up here, but I got the got the men in black thing going on up here. And now we're holding hands and, and that you know, on some level, you'd think, this, this is kind of awkward. But on the other hand, it feels really good. Like, your hand feels really nice, Rich. It's not sweating yet. It might start sweating. It's really lovely, because you have a softness to the palm that's, like, kind of hugging on my palm. Yes. All right. What are you doing after this, Zach? Yeah, I'm free. My <laughs> wife left this morning. I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Julie just gave permission, so like I feel like you know, got the hall pass. We're good. Like, you guys are touching somebody next to you, and in that touch, you're exchanging an amazing amount of information that's invisible. You can't see it, and you don't know it yet. You don't even know what you're absorbing from that person next to you yet. And I'm really glad I'm touching Rich's hand because he's talked to a lot of really smart people over the last decade, and so I'm going to absorb all kinds of brilliance out of this hand. Let's just close our eyes for a second so we can more immerse ourselves in that feeling of that person's hand. Just send a little pulse of love out both hands now. Just a little pulse. I don't have to get too dramatic about it. Control yourself. Little pulse. And now do something far more difficult that I don't even know if I know how to do yet. Which is open up your heart right now and be willing to absorb all that other love. You have so many blocks right there. You're walking around so protected. Such a well-constructed cubicle around your heart. You're afraid you're unlovable. So just take it down. Take down the cubicle walls. I don't think anybody's really opened up their heart yet because nobody's really exhaling huge right now. So let's just try to take a deep breath in. Let it all the way out. Just, just let it out. Look back to your chest. And now turn your 
attention back to your palms and just gently ask for love. I just want some love. And let it run up your arms. And let it start to fill your chest. Let's take another deep breath together and suck in all that love. You can, in this moment, experience everything that everybody else in this room has experienced. All the knowledge they've collected. All of the intelligence that they are capable of. All of the service they've given to their loved ones. It turns out they're all just as good as you are at pouring love out. And they're just as bad as you are at taking love in. And so the sheer amount of available love in this room is infinite. There's so much unabsorbed love in here. And I think that's why we are suffering so much as humanity is we've disconnected from the, the vortex, the matrix of love that is literally emanating out of all of us all the time. And we can't even figure out how to plug back into that. You are so loved. I want you to go back in time right now to the womb. Here we are right now, we're at some age and we're going to just start traveling back swiftly. And go through your mind's eye, whatever, hit age 20. Man, it's great to be 20. That's such a cool... Now you're 10. You haven't had to go through the fucking puberty shit yet. And you're just like still like in that wonderful magical moment of being 10 when life's still very simple. Like you just want to go ride bikes with your friends. Remember when you're 10 and you, you catch a perfect hill on your bike and you're just flying down it. There's complete freedom, no effort, just wind whipping by you. I remember when you were five, and digging your first big hole in the ground. I don't know why we're all driven to dig holes, but we do that all the time. And you were a kid digging a hole somewhere on a beach or a backyard. Just remember how tiny your hands are when you're five. It's so funny. Little hands are so damn cute, and they're funny almost. Kind of puffy. Fat little hands. And then you're like two, and you're just like so pleased with yourself because you can walk from the coffee table over to the shelf to rip something off this bookshelf. And you're just so pleased with yourself at two. And then suddenly you're this newborn, and you're just blowing your mind over the beauty of the world. You just came out of this, like, kind of glowy, warm space. It was nothing very distinct to see. And you're just in this cacophony of color, sound, voices. You're just taking all that in in a brain that has no idea what it's seeing yet. But deeper down in that newborn is a, a very knowing soul. And if we back up into the womb now where you're just an embryo, not even fully formed yet. I think there's still at some point in that transition between single cell and newborn baby, you're animated by this energy field. And this energy field has a deep knowingness in it. It's been in the universe since the beginning of whatever creation was. And you're in the womb with this deep knowingness inside yourself. 
and you're the collision of a little bit of DNA from mom and dad that helps give structure to the interaction with an electromagnetic field that will then manifest a personality that can't be coded for in the genes. It's easy to feel like an amazing parent when you have one child, but then when you have a second child, you suddenly realize you have nothing to do with this process. It's so different. It's like so impossibly different from that first child. And you're like, what? Because you're not actually from your parents. I would like you all to dwell on that for a very long moment right now. You are not from your parents. So stop blaming them. They didn't create you. Are you kidding? No. They're just lost, confused human beings. You came from something much bigger. A much deeper knowingness and much deeper wisdom. So sit in that for a moment. You're not from your parents. That's wonderful. So we have to stop blaming them for their shortcomings or their successes. We can, we can neither give them credit nor nor ridicule for whatever happened in the parenting journey. And the dominant emotion that I find underlying most of the disease I take care of is abandonment. At some point, you had a moment where you felt abandoned. And it can seem really trivial, and it was really trivial. Like your parents went out on a date, and you woke up from a nap. You didn't know they were going to be gone, and they were gone. And you felt suddenly terrified and lonely like your parents had banned you. And it turns out that the babysitter was just late, and they showed up. And I hear those little things all the time. In fact, that's what engendered the first moment of you thought you were abandoned. And sometimes it's awful, horrific things, awful abuses and all kinds of things that made you feel abandoned. But I want you to realize in the same way that you are not from your parents, there's no way they could have abandoned you, nor could they give you any actual companionship on a spiritual level. They are no more connected with their soul than anybody else, and so they were no more capable of really being present with you. They were there biologically for you, but they didn't know how to connect with you at that spiritual level. And my big victory of my last decade was really finding out that when my mom was pretty sick when I was growing up, she had severe epilepsy and was always having seizures. And so I was in this caretaking mode early on in my life, and oldest child of four kids, so I was kind of taking care of my siblings while she's having a seizure, taking care of her. And I remember being in a grocery store with her head on my lap, and she's having a seizure, and people are freaking out around me, and just you know, patiently waiting for her to stop having a seizure. Those kinds of experiences, I ended up holding within me that I wasn't being nurtured. I wasn't being cared for. I was lonely because my mom couldn't be there to take care of me. And I found out a few years ago, doing some just deep work with a myofascial therapist, releasing grief and the sense of I wasn't nurtured, to find out the embarrassing and humbling and incredible reality that there had been angels all over me in every one of those moments, at the soul level, nurturing my soul, never letting go of me. And that changed my whole perception of my story. My story had been a kid with a sick mom who had to take care of people. In that moment, I realized I'm a soul that's ancient, that's been nurtured at the highest level of vibration since before I came into this body, and especially while I've been in this body. And so give up your story. Your story is not one of hardship, I guarantee it. Our forefathers' generations 
had some hardship that we have never known. But deeper than that, there is no hardship on the soul level because the souls move as a sardine would. Those souls, that soul within you, is literally as as non-empathetic and non-empathic as the fish. It's just seeking a higher vibration. And it's asking you to a higher vibration. And so you are an ancient soul wrapped up at this moment. You are not abandoned at any moment. You have been cared for on a level that defies our understanding, our words. The word angel is not sufficient. These are beings of light. These are beings of energy that we have really no construct to understand in our human minds. And they're all around us, and we don't even understand that. We don't know why. We don't know how to interact with them entirely. But life is not the way it looks around you. And you're going to get there faster to this state of being, being willing to let go of your cubicle. What story have you been telling everybody that you have got to get gone? I want you to rebirth right now. You're in the womb right now, and I just want you to come back into this world with completely fresh eyes. Travel down that birth canal. That dark tunnel. There's light at the end of that tunnel. There's total chaos at the end of the tunnel for all your perceptive limitations. Because you're about to step back into the world without any of your previous constructed self-identity and that's going to feel like chaos. You're not going to be able to make immediate sense of everything. Because you're going to keep checking yourself. Say, is that my old story? Be willing to be completely rebirth. And we need to do that every single day. Because you're so patterned in creating a new story. And you're just going to go build another one. And you're going to fashion a new cubicle. And you're going to be very super pleased with it. You think it's all shiny and cool. And you'll be just as stuck as you were before. And so, what will the quorum manifest? What are we going to do with our time so that we set in motion electrons that would inform not just our fellow man, but the children that would come after us? What are the whales going to sense right now? Can we connect with those fish and whales in the sea right now and say, I'm sorry? I am so sorry for all the plastic in your belly. I am so sorry for our selfish dominance of this planet. Thank you for your grace and your willingness to connect instantaneously with us. Thank you for welcoming us in as sardine and buffalo and wolf, eagle, fish, egg. Whatever cards you pulled this week, I want you to go to that space for a moment. Go to your egg for a moment. Go to your card and and think about that. What were you called to become this week? Have you let go enough of your story that you can become that thing? Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore. Lay down the weapons that you use against the world. 
Hi, this is Hillary, Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Ashley, and I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes and take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts flow past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight, laying down on such a night. Choosing love when I pick up this mic. So we